The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, Irish people are tied as the fourth highest consumers of cocaine globally. That's according to a new UN report. As the use of cocaine here has been on the rise for uh, many, many years, how have communities been impacted? Well, I'm joined by the medical director and founder of the Priority Medical Clinic, Dr. Garrett McGovern, and also by Conor Gallagher, Irish Times crime correspondent. Good morning and welcome to you both. Uh, Conor, I'll go to you first. Um, Does this finding surprise you? Well, the figures contained in the report, uh, which is from the UN Office on on Drugs um, and Organised Crime, they're not new. They're from 2019. The figures relate to Ireland. And and, and that shows that 2.4% of the population reported uh, using cocaine within the last year. That's Uh, about 1 in 40. That's Yeah, about 1 in 40. Yeah, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you exclude old people, maybe, and children, you know, it certainly certainly becomes real numbers. but what is new is the comparison with other with other countries. So Ireland, as you said, there is joint fourth in the world for 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 consumption of cocaine. We're tied with uh, the US and Austria, and we're behind only Australia, the Netherlands, and Spain. Um, so uh, and we are like far and ahead away of some of the other countries. It's not all that close. Um, um, Could it be um, said that in disadvantaged communities, particularly, uh, that you have a very high uh, incidence of cocaine, uh, and therefore that skews the figures, or is it more widespread? What the report makes clear, and this is supported by uh, Gardaí uh, and health professionals, is cocaine is now in every part of of life, every uh, economic strata, every part of the country, from the smallest village to the big towns. It does take hold and cause more problems in those disadvantaged communities for various reasons. One particular reason is drug debt. Uh, Drug users, as the report states, will be given uh, drugs on tick, uh, i.e. up front or on credit. Uh, They will build up this debt. They will be unable to repay it and then the dealers will be able to exploit that. They will intimidate into these people into paying it back, often using violence, often using young children uh, as young as 10 years old to commit this violence, or they will pressure the the, the, the person who owes the money to commit uh, violence themselves against other uh, people who owe debt. So it's this really vicious circle that takes hold in disadvantaged communities more so than it would be in, in, in other uh, parts of the country. Now, there are all sorts of uh, things you can glean from uh, the report. I mean, uh, the the likely cohort to be users of cocaine, are they presumably the a younger rather than an older cohort? Yeah, I, I think uh, it has become really, really prevalent uh, amongst the kind of young professionals, uh, but also the older people as well. Cocaine first started to take a, a serious hold in Western Europe in 2014 as the prices dropped, the purity increased and the, the routes became more, uh, uh, you know, just mu- much more frequent. So you've got people who started taking cocaine in 2014, 15 in Ireland, who are now that bit older in middle age, have kids and they're now taking cocaine as well. So it's not just the young people. Okay, uh, and men more likely to uh, abuse cocaine than women, or use, but I prefer the term abuse in the in this case. Yeah, yeah, significantly more likely, but women still make up a a, a decent chunk of the, the user base. Um, th- there have been seizures of cocaine. There was one over the weekend. Um, and I mean, we're talking about massive amounts of money, um, two point four million euro. How big is that, though? I'm wondering, could you fit that in a satchel? But well, 2.4 million would be uh, something like 
10 kilos or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you could so, fit in the satchel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could. Maybe a little bit more than 10 kilos. So needle in a haystack springs oh, to mind. Oh, a drop in the ocean. And when you had, during COVID, uh, we had loads of seizures. The guards were had uh, records amounts of seizures of drugs. But that's because uh, during COVID, the bottom fell out of the market. Uh, first of all, there was no way of getting the drugs uh, into the country because the transport routes were, you know, suspended. Uh, the, the drugs that they did have, they had no way of selling it because the nightlife... Uh, I've seen was suspended, so to speak. Uh, so they had these large stores of drugs and they also had large stores of money because they'd no way to launder the money. So it was for a while, it was like shooting fish in a barrel for a guardie. You know, they raid a house, they would find yeah. loads of money, loads of drugs um, and could put it on the telly or on um, on the news. And, and, and But now uh, that was a little bit of a bubble um, and, and, and that bubble has burst. And now it's the, the market has rebounded and more so. Um, Guardi are still making Caesars and under Operation Tour for example it does seem to be a massive priority for them but as you said it's a, it's a, it's a, drop, it's a drop in the ocean mm. compared to what is coming into the country And who are the kingpins now? I mean the, the Kinnans they spread their net wide I mean they were uh, at large and doing business in other territories besides, besides Ireland uh, who's running the show here now? Well, uh, the Kinahan network still plays a role, but obviously other people have stepped in uh, as the sanctions kind of start to bite on the Kinahans. And it's really easy for someone else to step in, you know, and it, it domestically what you've had is kind of a fragmentation uh, of the uh, criminal scene. Uh, so you've got much smaller groups, more violent a lot of the time. Now, thankfully, the actual gun crime has dropped off. Uh, in the last uh, year or so, but this UN report does warn of the potential for future violence because there's so much competition for these expanding markets and not just Irish gangs. The report mentions Albanian uh, organised criminals. Um, they've yet to encroach too much on the Irish gangs uh, uh, business, but that is another potential for conflict. The other thing is uh, they believe Ireland may be used as a backdoor to supply the UK market, which is much, much bigger. And that brings with it its own risk of violence. Oh, of course. And again, that needle in the haystack theory still applies to uh, cross-border uh, truck traffic and so on. Uh, you wonder about the, the number of Albanians. This is not to cast aspersions on any normal, happy, hardworking Albanian who wants to come to Ireland for either economic or other uh, reasons. But uh, we didn't have a huge Albanian community here. You'd hate to think that people seeking international protection might be bent on other things well the Albanians have uh, drug gangs have been here for about a decade or so so it's really? not really oh yeah 100% they seem to mostly uh, target migrant communities themselves um, which is why maybe the rest of us don't hear too much about them they are very conscious of not stepping on the toes of Irish criminals who are much longer in the tooth and, and wouldn't appreciate that obviously um, maybe that will change we don't know but um, the report does actually mention uh, Albanian gangs uh, in the south, kind of west of Europe, uh, they are one of the main suppliers of drugs in that region of the of the continent, and they are not afraid to use violence and targeted killings. Well, it's, uh, it's not a pretty picture, and um, the Gardaí can make... A lot of the time, by the way, they say these are intelligence-led seizures, so they are infiltrating in some way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think usually when it's intelligence-led, it's probably someone has been arrested and has given up some information. But, you know, the guards obviously have other techniques and surveillance techniques. You know, they 
<laughs> understandably don't like to go into it too much. Sure, I can understand that. Conor Gallagher, who's Irish Times crime correspondent, uh, thank you very much for joining us in studio. On the line is Garrett McGovern, Medical Director and Founder of the Priority Medical Clinic. Garrett, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Do you see this on the coalface? Yeah, very much so. I, I think cocaine has been on the up over the last decade or so. Um, we got a little bit of a small reduction uh, when COVID sort of hit. But I think within about eight weeks, we got a sort of a rebound of a lot of cases coming forward. Um, now, obviously, they weren't socialising in um, in in pubs and clubs and uh, and parties. They were actually doing it um, on their own. So I, I, I've ended up treating a lot of people and that hasn't gone away actually i've ended up treating an awful lot of people who are using this drug in solitude obviously the vast majority of people who would use it on a saturday night do it when they go out um but i'm I'm seeing more and more people now doing it on their own in the garden shed and hiding it away from their partner you know and that uh, would suggest that uh, they have reached a, a threshold where you know they're not getting the charge out of it that they once did yeah, very much so. Um, all this, so they're getting addicted, but they're also largely getting the negative, uh, the negative effects of it. So cocaine is a drug that promises happiness, but really delivers a whole lot of anxiety and sadness once you develop a habit. Um, the come down off it is, isn't pleasant uh, at all. So I'm seeing a lot of people, some of them who've been suicidal um, from from developing a dependence to it. What is uh, the treatment for someone who's got a cocaine addiction? Well, there, there's no medication. It's not like um, opiate substitution treatment for heroin. So we don't have a, a, an equivalent drug. Uh, a lot of drugs have been tried, such as antidepressants and other types of drugs um, to treat it. So it's all really talking therapy. Probably the the um, uh, treatment with with the best evidence base is probably cognitive behavioural therapy. It's a form of psychotherapy to, to to help people deal with cravings and just change their kind of view of that drug, be able to deal with risk factors and triggers that will make them use it and try and keep them on the straight and narrow. Um, so if that kind of uh, uh, treatment is not readily available and there would be, I suppose, a limited number of practitioners who'd be offering it and many of them might not want to deal with cocaine. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, Pat. I mean, we, we've two problems with cocaine treatment. The first is, as, as Connor was saying, you know, the, the, the amount of people using cocaine is, is quite substantial in this country, and we're well up there in the league tables of international users. We've two problems. One is that uh, we don't have a huge amount of people coming forward relative to the numbers who have a problem. Uh, very small numbers. Um, we see a lot, but it's 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 the, it's the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. Uh, and the other issue is we don't have, certainly don't have statutory treatment services available uh, widespread. I mean, we we need more investment in that. So these are pe- these are people who won't won't be able to uh, be able to afford private treatment. Um, there is, there are services available, and a lot, I, know, I know these services. Um, we kind of talked about. Um, some of the marginalised communities, you know, there's a huge, huge problem um, in 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 marginalised, socially disadvantaged communities with particularly crack cocaine, which is really, really awful. I mean, Connor talked about the whole drug debt and intimidation. I work in these communities; it's pretty grim, I have to say, when that when that happens. We're talking about substantial debts that have no chance of been paid, and the things people will do as a result of um, trying to service that debt, you might say, are pretty awful.
And uh, the um, the different impacts that say uh, taking the standard white powder that seems to be all over the country versus smoking crack cocaine. What what is the difference in terms of the impact it has on an individual? Yeah, well, one of the things I I notice about sort of crack cocaine is I have some patients who are just taking it all day. Um, most people who take powder cocaine don't probably do it all day. It's cheaper. I mean, to, to buy a rock is cheaper certainly than powder cocaine. Uh, cheaper but still expensive if you know what I mean particularly if you don't, if you don't have means so it, it is really really addictive both of them are addictive and it's essentially the same drug but the way in which it's taken some people take it with other people um, and really can develop substantial dependencies uh, on this and the things that happen to them um, both in terms of their mental health and physical health but also in terms of dealing with um, you know trying to pay debt back is, is pretty pretty awful yeah, um, the the whole question of uh, the decriminalisation of various drugs, cannabis is always the one that that's mentioned. What is your belief on that? We heard Michal Martin uh, talking to the examiner over the weekend, uh, t- maintaining he does not believe in de- uh, the legalisation of these things. Now, decriminalisation, legalisation, two different things. What is, what is your belief about how we handle this drugs problem? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we need to separate it, sort of the two issues. One is decriminalisation, which is really, we're talking about criminalisation of the user. So um, that's nothing to do with a, a regulated market. A regulated market for cocaine would be tricky because there is no blueprint anywhere in the world for this, so they're, they're, they're huge challenges. There are, there are obviously, as you know, um, there is uh, a market, particularly in the States, for cannabis. Um, I think my, my, my feeling about this is that I think criminalising people who run into trouble um, is probably the wrong thing to do because it just creates a lot of stigma. And, and, and as I said, a lot of people are not coming forward for treatment. I think if we decriminalise the drug, just I'm talking about... Um, kind of uh, cocaine for personal use, it opens up the door to them to be able to get treatment and uh, be maybe a bit more open about their problem. Uh, at the moment, that's just not the case. There is a stigma associated with this, and and you know, there are a lot of people who you know don't want their employers to find out, don't want a lot of people to find out, so they're not going to come forward. I think if we decriminalised the cocaine for personal use then that, you know, that would be in line with the, the government's health-led approach. Yeah, the, the question, though, when they're using um, these drug mules, um, you know, whether they're young kids on scooters or whatever to deliver, and they never carry more than what might be permitted under the law for personal use, but they're still the couriers that are doing the business for the bad guys, yeah. um, it is a difficulty. It is difficult, yeah. I mean, it's hard to to, to kind of, uh, you, you would have to work out what the app, uh, actual amount is. But the vast majority of people who, who get caught with these drugs on a Saturday night certainly are not uh, dealers or anything anything of the sort. But it is, it, it, we, we have to also protect those people who are getting into uh, um, dealing due to drug debt. That's a really tricky one because they are getting involved in it. They're not big players by any stretch of the imagination, but they're beginning to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. Um, and it's, 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 it's out of fear. Um, one comment here from a listener. A lot of cocaine is smuggled into Europe by drug mules, so anyone who likes a snort should remember that what they put up their nose has been up someone else's you-know-where. 
That's a, a salutary thought. Yeah, All right, Luke, uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining us on the line. Garrett McGovern, Medical Director and Founder of the Priority Medical Clinic and uh, before that, Conor Gallagher, Irish Times Correspondent. And by the way, the HSE Drugs and Alcohol Helpline is open from Monday to Friday between half past nine and half past five in the afternoon, 1-800-459-459. But if you want to get help at any time, just email helpline at hse.ie. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.